I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rulure Tech Podcast. I am your host, Dan Cavallari, joining you all the way from Colorado here in the United States. And today, my guest, for a refreshing change for me, is also in the United States. That's, that's a rare occurrence these days for me. Um, makes the, uh, the time change uh, a little easier. Uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of like endlessly fascinated these days about uh, bike businesses that are successful. Uh, because I think anytime you get started in the bike industry these days, whatever you're going to do, you're taking on behemoths and you need to have something really interesting and, and different and cool uh, in order to succeed. And Wahoo has not only succeeded, but has also established itself as a behemoth itself, and which is very unique uh, in this industry, given given the competition that Wahoo is facing coming in. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that today, what that process was like. Um, and, and some of the new things that are coming from Wahoo that are really cool. So uh, we went all the way to the top. Uh, today, I have on the line Chip Hawkins, who is the founder and chairman of Wahoo. Chip, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Yeah, and, and for those of you who are not familiar with uh, the topography of the United States, uh, Chip is in Atlanta, Georgia, which is on the, the east coast of the U.S., so we actually have like a, a very close time difference this time. It's night. We're both in the morning today. That's great. Um, Chip, thanks for taking some time today, and um, I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm fortunate, I think, to be talking to you because um, there's always such a great story behind these, these brands that kind of seem to come out of nowhere and just take over, and Wahoo is very much that. So let's start with your motivations in the very beginning. I mean, what made you take on the behemoth that at the time was Garmin at the time of Wahoo's founding? What did you see that you could do better or differently? Well, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to say I had a great business plan to take on uh, take on Garmin. And, and I also have to say, before I get too, uh, too far in, I've never been, we've never been called a behemoth as far as I know. So that's very, uh, flattering. I get, I'm, a, I'm yeah, the first. You're the right. first. <laughs> um, no, it was really just me trying to solve pain points that I had. And, um, and it wasn't on the trainer side, you know, I started with, uh, with the bike computers, um, and just, um, couldn't get the data I needed. I had, um, I had the old, PowerTap yellow computer with their PowerTap head unit, you know, the, so the, the PowerTap power meter at the time wasn't wireless or kind of was because there was a wire real close to the back that ran up to your handlebars. And then I had a little yellow um, computer up there and then I had a Garmin 
305, the old uh, Garmin GPS. And so, you know, with two different screens on my bars, I would get the data while I rode. But then when I finished the ride, you literally couldn't see your power and your GPS together. And it seemed crazy to me. And so that was the thing that bothered me. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And so I thought, um, you know, I'll just write an iPhone app. iPhones had just come about. It's like, this will be easy. Well, the, the challenge was um, I could write an iPhone app, but you couldn't get third-party data into an iPhone. So um, it started as simple as making a little iPhone accessory with a little antenna in it that would pick up ant data. And um, and that's kind of where it all started. And it was really for me more than trying to um, you know solve and make a business out of it. But um, by the time I went through and realized, you know, all the things you have to do to um, get approved by Apple and, um, and all the steps, it sort of said, well, I'll do it you know, kind of as a small business, I'll, I'll set up a website. Um, you know, the, the, the Wahoo name is probably the best part of that whole thing. You know, we had some really bad name naming ideas. Um, and, um, we ended up with Wahoo, which I'm really been happy with, but, um, but yeah, so that was it is, um, just trying to get, you know, my data from my rides conveniently, uh, into, into my files, you know, the, and you have to remember this was prior to Strava, um, you know, Garmin Connect wasn't around. It was motion-based at the time. They hadn't acquired um, motion-based and turned it into Garmin Connect. So it was literally, you had to do it with spreadsheets. And I was writing macros to combine these two files. It was, uh, it was crazy. So that was, uh, that was kind of the, uh, around 2009. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe 2008, 2009 is when I was playing with it. And then, um, yeah, I think the first product was to, we launched the little ant key in 2009. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and all around the same time I was, uh, you know, really into training for triathlons and, um, had a compu trainer. And so that's kind of the other part of the story is, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've now built a business that's doing really well selling the, this ant key and, um, and quickly realized that, um, everyone didn't already have heart rate straps and, and speed and cadence sensors. And so we started, uh, building and selling you know, speed and cadence sensors and heart rate straps. And then, um, and all the while, you know, this business is starting to take off. I'm training on a CompuTrainer, which was a misery for me. You know, some people liked them. I absolutely hated it. So I would wake up in the middle of the night thinking, you know, everything about it was bad. The hardware, I couldn't stand, you know, the wheel on trainer. And then the software was just a nightmare. You know, you're locked into an ecosystem. You had to use Windows, um, and, uh, and so just trying to unlock that, uh, that data from the CompuTrainer is where I started and, um, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't work with me at all. I tried and tried to get them to kind of let me, I wanted to make an ant key for my CompuTrainer so I could get my data from my CompuTrainer under my iPhone. And, um, and yeah, over and over they said, no, you can't do that. It's, uh, it's way too complicated to, to, you know, to get that amount of data. So ultimately, um, Again, it wasn't a great grand plan. I made the kicker because I, you know, I couldn't get my, I couldn't get the CompuTrainer to, to do it, and and I really did not, uh, did not like the wheel on part of the CompuTrainer at all. So I, I have to ask you, you got to now, you got to tell me if you can, is what are some of the names that didn't cut the mustard instead of Wahoo? Oh yeah, um, so that, <laughs> so you got to remember this was this was um, this was iPhone. So I think fitness for phones okay. was one. Oof. You know, could you imagine if we were fitness for phones selling the kicker? Um, 
Yeah, I can't remember the others, but it was one of those things where we were all keyed up on it and we were reserving our domain names, you know, so I, I could probably go back and look up the domain names that we registered that were like, well, we get the gist. It, um, yeah, it was, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was not good. Wahoo turned out to be the right answer. Now, as an athlete, where were you at the time? I mean, you said you said you were doing triathlons. Is, was that your primary uh, pursuit? Well, so I had, um, I was a late bloomer. I really wasn't an aerobic guy at all. And, um, and so it was really getting into, uh, riding, running and doing these tries that is, uh, that was the first time I'd ever ridden. And at the time, yeah, my, my sport of choice was kind of the sprint try. I was doing, you know, little duathlons and triathlons and, um, trying to do as well as I could at those. Mm -hmm. Now, when you got started here, I mean, you were, you were training for, for, um, you know, triathlons and things like that. What, what were you doing full time? I mean, obviously Wahoo wasn't <laughs> supporting you at that point. What, what were your, what's your background? Well, that's, um, you know, another part of the naming story. I've been an entrepreneur for years. I was, um, at the time running Wahoo boat docks, which was another business that I had, um, started actually bought it out of bankruptcy, but I had had that for about seven years. And so that was, um, it's kind of a weird origin story where I was, um, you know, my day job was building floating boat docks that, you know, that you put your ski boat in for, uh, you know, on lake houses around the U S and, um, and that, you know, the real estate market in the U S wasn't doing real well, real estate ties to, you know, boat dock sales. And so I had spare time. Um, and yeah, you talk about a different, um, a different business, but it really was done kind of on the side in that business. Um, so we are building, yeah, boat docks that were kind of like two or three a week, $50,000 products to uh, you know, $79 ant keys. So what was the key moment for you when you said, okay, this is this Wahoo thing, there's something here and and I need to uh, jump on this and, and grow the company? Um, what, what, was there like a, a moment where you knew that this was going to take off? You know, I don't know if there was a moment that I knew it was going to take off, but um, I had been studying and thinking about it and playing with it. And, um, and I think you know, probably the, the defining kind of birth moment was me going into my partner's office in the doc business and tell them I was going to the ant conference in Canada for a week. So I was taking a week off work to go, you know, and spending like $2,500 on an airline ticket to, um, to go to this wireless conference. And he looked at me like I had two heads, you know, like you're doing what? And I was like, well, I, I want to start this business. And, um, so luckily I had the majority of the business, so he couldn't tell me no. But it didn't sound it didn't sound like a, a very smart thing to do, you know, to to get the the dock business uh, going better to go study wireless technology. So, you know, Wahoo has grown, I mean, just leaps and bounds in a very short amount of time. And, and you know, I said it at the, at the start of the show, and I really do believe this, that, you you know, it's become a powerhouse um, in cycling because and, and other outdoor sports. And that's I say that because you were taking on such a large competitor or competitors at that time. So to even break into that market is, is notable. Um, what has kept your company relevant as you've grown? I mean, you know, you launched with one product, but, or, you know, maybe you didn't, maybe you launched with a couple, but the general uh, gist of it was to get that data. Um, how has innovation driven the company's growth in such a short period of time? It's been a little bit of timing, a little bit of luck, and, um, and it definitely is around innovation. The, um, you know, it's, it, and it's ironic. It's not, you know, let's go, let's go do market studies and see what the world needs. It's been really around my pain points. You know, I, I, I hated the, I hated the 
original GPSs that I had. So I tried to do another, uh, do it another way. I hated the CompuTrainer, so I wanted to build a better trainer. Um, and so each each step has really been around, you know, the innovation has been just finding things that feel fairly obvious, um, like, you know, why hasn't anyone done this yet um, versus kind of a magic invention, um, just taking things that are almost already there and just making them easier to use and um, and uh, just a little more pleasant for people, you know, let them train, train better, um, spend, spend more time, you know, riding or running or doing whatever they love versus uh, futzing around a lot with their technology. Yeah. Just in terms of timeline, now you started with the computer. Uh, when did the, when did the trainer, uh, enter the the ecosystem of what you were building? It was in around 2013 is when we launched the kicker. So um, we had the other, we had the, the ant key and cases for the iPhone um, and, uh, and then heart rate monitors and speed and cadence sensors, that sort of thing. So we were very much the first few years, more of a tech company. You know, we were in gadgets and we were in Apple stores globally. That was really what um, was leading to a lot of our success as we were selling really well in Apple stores. Um, and so it was really the kicker that launched us into the cycling industry, you know, where we were able to have a ton of success, um, and, and kind of become much more of a cycling brand. And that started, you know, kind of late 2013, Interbike 2013. What was the first kicker like, uh, as opposed to what it is today? Yeah, we got it pretty good back then. Um, yeah, the accuracy was more, um, it wasn't what it was. The noise, it was, it was quite a bit louder. Um, you know, we had the very first one, we, um, we kind of had strain gauge gate. We had a strain gauge in it that was um, fickle. You know, it worked great when it worked, but it didn't work all the time. So we had a lot of work to do. So it's really been, I mean, fundamentally, if you took the very first one and the latest one, it's just been small improvements with every new model, um, you know, making it quiet, quieter each time, um, you know, putting the, the motion feed on the latest one. Um, so it hasn't been, I mean, I think we hit, the idea was really on the mark. It's just been getting the execution better and better over time. And, and also adapting to changing bike technology. I mean, things like through axles and disc brakes. Yes. Every year uh, we're surprised, even though we shouldn't be, yeah. um, but it, it has been, <laughs> It, it it is nice that we've almost reached a scale now where the bike companies talk to us about the new bikes versus us being like, oh no, you know, we didn't know they were going to do three through axle or, or 12 speed. You know, it's like, ah. Well, that's a nice, that's a nice bookend. There's, you know, from your beginnings where nobody would help you out and no, everybody said it was too hard and to everybody coming to you at the very end saying, okay, we're going to do this and we want you on board. That's, that's quite a success story in itself. Yeah. It's been great to be able to work closer with everybody and uh, they kind of, be a little proactive and not have, cause I mean, yeah, it, it really stinks to buy a, a new bike and not have it work on your trainer. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, but when we come back, I want to talk more about some of the newer products that are coming out from Wahoo, because I think a lot of them are pretty intriguing. Uh, and I want to talk to you about, uh, what, what sort of drove these particular, uh, developments. Cause some of them are, are unique and not exactly what I would expect. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Chip Hawkins from Wahoo. 
Why, hello there. Podcast interruption alert, but I will only take a few short moments to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, you will love the regular magazine. So if you're not a reader already, then you can subscribe at ruler.cc for as little as £6 per month. If you don't speak Northern Irish, that's six times 100 pennies. And for the price of a few coffees, you get regular columns from the wonderful Ned Bolting, myself, Orla Shinnewey, and some of the very finest independent cycling journalism there is, all wrapped up in a wondrously beautiful publication. Go to ruler.cc. I'll leave you to it. We are back with the Ruler Tech Podcast. I am your host, Dan Cavallari, and I am joined by Chip Hawkins, founder and chairman of Wahoo. And Chip, um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting literally a foot away from my trainer setup, which happens to be a kicker with a kicker climb and I've got the headwind, you know, I've got the whole, the whole setup here. Um, and it's interesting to me because I think about five, six years ago, I would not have been on any of this. Uh, I had a, uh, and I guess you could call it an analog, a dumb trainer, you know, and, and I would sit in my laundry room and stare at my, my dryer for 45 minutes, you know, uh, what, a, what an incredible, uh, advancement it is now to have all these, these things to make it interesting and fun. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about some of the new products in the Wahoo lineup that I think are pretty interesting. Let's start with the roller. Now, for anybody who's been riding a while, everybody I think has wrestled with rollers before, and so this this is different. This is not your you know the the thing that where you get on your rollers and you try to balance and you know you blink for a second and then you fall off, which happened to me once. Um, this is this is a little bit different. Uh, this is kind of going back toward um, you know some of the the earlier. Uh, versions of trainers, which, you know, you had your rear tire on and it pressed against a roller. Um, With so many excellent direct drive options on the market already, and and a lot of them coming from you, why create something like this? Who's the consumer that would benefit from this? Well, you know, the the biggest challenge that um, for for people just getting into cyclists or non-technical people is, you know, removing your rear wheel. And, and, um, so, you know, for the, for the entry level or for someone that wants to be able to really conveniently get their bike on or off their trainer, the, the wheel off trainer is not it. And, and so, and the cool thing with the roller now is, um, the wheel on trainer wasn't either because, you know, if you had an ice bike, your, uh, your skewers were probably not going to be compatible with the trainer. So you had to put a, you know, big steel skewer in there. Um, you had to clamp it pretty tight you know that could be difficult you put a tremendous amount of pressure against your tire with the roller so you end up wearing out tires Um, and so if you really wanted to use a trainer you had some pain associated with it and and what we see is is probably the majority of people have a trainer bike and an outside bike which is not the intent of you know what we're doing you should be able to use the same bike Um, and and so we were actually working specifically on kind of a travel trainer you know, cause the kicker and, and our other products aren't that great to throw in your trunk and go to a race. And, um, and the first time we put together this concept of having the rear rollers with the front of the bike held, but not clamped, um, it was like an aha experience. It was, you know, it's, it's even easier than a, than kind of a bike uh, rack for your car. Cause you could just set the bike on, it slips in and then jump on and you're pedaling. And, and, um, and so it truly is, 
super convenient, you know, and, um, and I haven't seen our marketing video, but I hope they have somebody like, uh, you know, open it in their garage, go out for a ride and seeing it raining and then just throwing it on the trainer and going. That was, uh, I remember us talking about that early on because, um, that it really is that easy. I mean, you can be riding for warming up and, um, and we used it last year at the world championships for people to, to warm up on. And it's, it's great because you don't have to mess with your bike at all to, to use it on the, on the roller. And that's, that's a difference from probably one of your nearest competitors in that particular realm, which is the feedback sports uh, version, which you do have to take the front wheel off and clamp it in place. Um, but I also, I'm curious, you know, I, I've, I've seen pictures of the rollers, uh, roller, um, which I want to talk at some point about why you hate vowels. We're going <laughs> to... We're going to talk about that uh, in your naming conventions, but um, <laughs> let's stick to serious stuff. Uh, I'm curious, um, how is there a, an adjustable resistance uh, on the rollers? Is there any way to increase resistance if you're you're on the uh, the, the system? There is, and um, and it really gets to the one challenge we had is um, I kind of saw it as a perfect product if you make it a smart roller and you don't have to, um, you know, you don't you can you can now get the bike on and off the trainer super easily. And the the feel on these rollers is great. Um, you know, your back, your back, of your bike can, is, is completely free to go back and forth. It goes up and down a little bit. Um, so, so all was perfect. And we did design, a, um, adjustable resistance unit. So it's very much like the kicker. The one limitation that we found, um, was, and we, and, and, and we come up with a creative way to solve it was, um, because we can't control where the person is putting their weight, we really can't uh, calculate power accurately. So, you know, if you're riding along sitting up, the drag from the back tire on the rollers is pretty significant. If you put most of your weight on the bars, the drag goes down. So the power might change by 40 or 50 watts. Um, and we just can't measure that with a roller. And, um, and so that brings, you know, that brings about uh, the need to have a power beater. Uh, on your bike in order to use the roller. And so, um, so it is, that is a limitation this has, but it, um, but we've kind of turned that to, uh, to a positive by um, introducing the power pedals. Um, and so I, the other part of this is the front wheel. Uh, that's where, that's where the bike is really fixed into place. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how that works? Um, and, you know, one of the things that occurred to me was, okay, I have these really expensive carbon wheels, maybe, you know, is it safe? Is it safe to clamp uh, the front wheel like that? Yeah. So the way it works um, is is it it's kind of a tray for the bottom of the wheel. So the wheel just slides in, and it keeps it from being able to go forward or backward. And then it's a big you know a big plastic clamp that um, that you just fold over the top of the wheel, so it doesn't really clamp anything. Um, and then um, and that holds it vertical. And and because you're held vertical you really can't apply much force. Um, and it's, and it's, it's kind of hard to, hard to fathom, but, um, but there's engineering studies that we've, that we've done and we've seen. And, and if you imagine sprinting on your bike, you know, you could have your bike sitting at a 45 degree angle to the earth with all of your strength, you know, say you're on your right leg, pushing as hard down as you can, trying to ride the bike with your arms, you know, and so those wheels are holding, you know, probably twice your weight at a 45 degree angle. Um, it's a tremendous amount of stress relative to what you could put with the roller or the kicker, you know, cause I, we used to get that question quite often, you know, are you going to break your frame? And the reality is the stress that you're putting on the front wheel is probably 25% of, you know, in the worst case of what you could do on an outdoor ride. So it's, um, it's, it's 
really, really safe on the on the wheels. What about stability on the roller? I mean, it, it's a fairly. It looks to me, anyway, from the photos, that it's a fairly narrow structure. Um, what lateral stability? How does that all work? Yeah, so it's um, the because we're holding at the front wheel. There's a there's basically a T, kind of a, a V structure up there. So you end up with um, a, yeah, it's two and a half or three feet wide legs at the front and that's that's where all the um, leverage comes from to keep you upright at the back it's actually quite narrow uh, you mentioned the the power link pedals uh let's talk a little bit first about uh the acquisition of speed play um was that a, a business decision based on your your pursuit of a power meter or was it that sort of incidental after the fact it was absolutely um because we wanted, or I wanted to build a power meter, um, and and looking at the market, the, the pedal made the most sense. And looking at the competitors out there, um, there was no way to be different. And um, and I, you know, I'd always loved speed play, and um, and I reached out to Richard and Sharon, and um, and it kind of because it just kind of hit me that you know if we could do a power meter with speed play. We could truly have a better product than anyone else, um, and it and it's a it's a unique, great, uh, great pedal, and um, and so it it allows us to introduce a power beater, which arguably you know power pedals have been around. There's a few competitors um, that does have all the advantages of the speed play system. So it was a it was a combo deal, but um, yeah, I don't know that um, you know acquiring speed play if we weren't going to do a pedal would have made a lot of sense for us um, although it's been a great it's been a great um, a great decision so far you know we've had a lot of success with the business and you know for those of you who don't know uh, and I, I'm sure a lot of you have already seen this and know this but uh, speed play pedals they look like no other pedal in the market they're very small uh, tiny little round disc uh, and you look at it and you think how am I ever gonna <laughs> pedal this thing um, but what's cool about uh, well, there's a lot of cool things about speed play pedals, but one of the big ones is that it has a dual sided entry, um, which is unique uh, in the road cycling space anyway. Um, so when you were developing this uh, power meter, was that a unique challenge to be able to to have a, a dual sided system that that needed essentially power capabilities on both sides of the pedal platform? Uh, no, because we're actually measuring power in the spindle. So it's, um, we're, you're kind of looking at the stress and bending in the spindle itself. So, um, yeah, it doesn't, uh, doesn't hurt that we do it on both sides. Is there any other difference, uh, in the speed play, the, the power link pedals, uh, in terms of accuracy, in terms of structure build that sets it apart from other power meters? No, I mean, really that's what we were looking for. I mean, um, I think, I think we've done a great job of execution. So we have great accuracy. Um, but you know, with the speed play pedal, you get the lightest pedals, you get dual sided, you get a lower stack height than any other pedal system. You get better, uh, clearance on cornering because the pedal's so small. So, um, it really comes from the advantages of speed play and then combined with, um, kind of our know-how with, with electronics and power in the, in the pedal, um, body. And what's what's really interesting to me about the entire Wahoo story is it, and I don't know if this was planned from the beginning or it was just sort of worked out this way, but everything seems to work as an ecosystem uh, and, and is made to be as easy as possible. I think that's one of the wonderful things about the head units in particular is getting going on a, on a Wahoo head unit is just so quick and so easy. Um, was that all uh, 
planned or was that something that just sort of came about as you started developing products and saw opportunities to integrate? Well, I mean, I think when you look at the head units, um, you know, you can't point to a Garmin head unit and say that their technology is bad. Um, but, uh, but you can say it's not easy to use and it can be a little clunky. And so that was really our opportunity was to bring it into the ecosystem, take advantage of um, making it work better with, with our products and others' products, but, uh, but really just making technology simple and approachable um, has been a key to, um, to all of our product decisions. Now we only have a few minutes left and I want to talk about one of the other big announcements that Wahoo made a little while ago, but not, not too far back in the, in the, the world of, of uh, Wahoo's dominance <laughs> is uh, the system. Uh, and, you know, again, no E in there because you guys hate vowels. <laughs> um, tell, me, tell me about system, which is a training uh, ecosystem, I guess you could call it. Um, how's it different from other training options out there? And wh what was the driving force here for the developing this, this platform? Well, we didn't have a platform. Um, and, and, you know, I'd gotten to know David McQuillan with Sufferfest really well. And, um, and it, and being able to offer something to our users that, um, that lets them again, tie in and take advantage of all of our products. Um, you know, when, when you only make the hardware, you're beholden to the software in the market to take advantage of it. And, you know, you think things like the climb, we struggle to get software in the market to take advantage of the climb. And that's crazy. So, um, so we needed a platform that we could, um, that we could optimize around our products and be, and, and, you know, if, even if it's not the only solution for people, it forces the other solutions to adopt and, and, and modernize and take advantage of products that we and others are launching. So, um, but, but having said that, it's been a great, um, it's been a great product for us and, um, and we're putting a ton of work into it with, uh, you know, different content and make, keeping it fresh. And, um, we built the Boulder sports science center now. So we're doing a lot of cool podcasts out of there. And, um, and, um, it's been really, really good for us. And, um, and it does help the, you know, complete the ecosystem for us. Yeah, and, and for those of you listening, if you haven't looked into system, it's, it's pretty interesting because it combines, it's like a holistic approach to training. You know, we know we have all the tools available and Wahoo has developed a lot of them. Uh, but there's other elements. I mean, getting yourself on the bike, you know, and then what do you do when you get off the bike? You know, there's stretching plans and there's, there's all sorts of other things that continue the narrative of training and recovery. Um, whether you're, you know, on the bike or not. Uh, and I think that's unique in its own way. And also, um, the content part of it is pretty unique. It's, it combines a lot of storytelling. There's a lot of pros doing rides and things like that. Uh, so it is a pretty interesting and unique atmosphere that that system has here. Uh, and, and I'm wondering, you know, again, you know, when you were thinking about this, uh, I, again, I go back to when I was just sitting on the trainer, staring at my dryer, you know, uh, how much of it was, was you saying, we got to have a better way to engage people, um, rather than just the actual training tools, which you can get training tools anywhere. Um, at this point, I mean, they're everywhere on the internet. How much of this was like going back to, okay, we need to, we need to engage with people in a different way to keep them in on the trainer or, you know, exercising and stretching and recovering. Yeah, no, that, that's a huge part of it. Um, I mean, it really was a, 
a painful experience and people, you know, didn't look forward to trainers. They didn't like to buy trainers. Um, so, you know, it's one thing to make the great hardware, but you have to have an experience um, to go along with it to really make it. Um, you know, now I kind of think it's it's almost a different sport, you know, indoor cycling and outdoor cycling. And, and I won't claim that they, you know, that it's as good. It's different. Um, you can have a lot of fun you know, indoor cycling, you can have a lot of fun outdoor cycling. Uh, I tend to do a lot more indoor, but uh, boy, do I love it when I do get to go outdoors. So I'm, I'm on the trainer a lot inside now because we've, we had a pretty snowy winter here in Colorado, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely still the outdoor guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chip, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate your time. It's been, it's been fascinating. No, thanks. It's great to, great to be here. And if uh, any of you listening have questions about this podcast or any of the other episodes we've done, you can absolutely reach out to us at Ruler Magazine on social media. You can also get me personally at Slow Guy Fast Ride on Twitter or at Slow Guy on the Fast Ride on Instagram because Instagram gives me extra letters. And and unlike Wahoo over here, I like my vowels. <laughs> I add letters when I can. So please do reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Chip, thank you again for joining me today. And for all of you listening, thank you for listening. We will catch you on the next episode of the Rulure Tech Podcast.